Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. And hello, this is Script Shop. Hi there, I'm Jack Crumley. And I'm Allison West. And uh, this is a show about scripts and screenwriters and their passion and our enjoyment of their work. So much enjoyment. We enjoy it a lot. And today's guest is a guy who's a script I very much enjoyed. I think we both had sort of a very similar reaction to it. I texted it. Jack like, oh my gosh, RoboForce, you have to read it, you have to read it, you have to read it. It's really fun. It's a script called RoboForce. It's a narrative feature, 114 pages. And- R-O-B-O. Yes. Four CE. It's RoboForce with a four. Today's show is sponsored by the Deep in the Heart Film Festival. That's in Waco, Texas, March 22nd through the 25th. Heartwarming, heartbreaking, heart stopping. Deep in the Heart Film Fest is dedicated to educate, entertain, and enlighten the Central Texas community through independent cinema. The festival involves four days of incredible independent films in the beautiful 104-year-old Waco Hippodrome Theater. I have spent a decent portion of my life waiting to say the word Hippodrome. (laughs) Filmmakers are treated to a full screening schedule. That's not kidding, by the way. Filmmakers are treated to a full screening schedule, filmmaker outings, meet and greets, fantastic parties, and way more. And just for our listeners, a fun, fun, fun insider tidbit about the Deep in the Heart Film Festival um, I have been there myself. They are what gave uh, basically me my my first break into the independent film circuit. This wow. is an awesome festival to go to. Um, the festival directors have a great eye. They're very researched in terms of independent film that's out on the scene and bring in really amazing movies for their festival. They do a great job of engaging the community of Waco into independent film, and you just get treated like a celeb while you're there. Nice. That is the Deep in the Heart Film Festival again, Waco, Texas, March 22nd through the 25th. We also want to say big thank you to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for supplying us with a space to do this show. Lots of support. Thank you very much to Scott Reinhardt and everybody over at iHeartMedia Cincinnati for helping us out on that. Yep. Uh, in terms of the ways you can help us out. Yeah, Script Shop is online everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, our website, Instagram. You can get in touch with us, talk to us. We want to talk to you. And if you have a script or a really, really great idea, something that you're totally excited about sharing with us, you can send in script submissions, no matter the length, to scriptshopthepodcast at gmail.com. We're looking forward to reading from you. Scriptshopthepodcast at gmail.com. And now, to uh, now that da, that's da, da, out da, of the way... The good stuff. Without any further ado, let us welcome Jeff Howe to the show. Jeff, how are you? Oh, it's awful. I'm so sorry. I love those jokes. I'm I'm doing uh, I'm doing well, thank you, Jeff. That sets a terrible tone. I, I am I am really sorry. That's that's incredibly dumb. You you would not be the first. Oh, see, that's what Definitely I hate about the it the most. Yeah. It's, it's not even clever, Jack. It's not even clever. That's what I hate about it the most. I'm really sorry, <laughs> Jeff. Hi, thanks for having us on. Thanks for being on the show with us. Um, so uh, tell us about where where are you at right now? Um, physically or, or yeah. in my, my writing career? We're going to have to do both then if that's the way you take the question. Yeah, I mean, what kind of mood are you in? Give us anything. <laughs> what you have it's for fine. lunch? Hey. Well, um, 
Well, I uh, I live in the the St. Louis, Missouri area, and um, I uh, I work at home. I have a very uh, flexible day job, which which permits me to uh, to do a fair amount of, of of writing tucked in corners here and there in the day, as, as well as you know nights, weekends, and we, the wee hours of the morning as as needed. Um, I I've been writing screenplays now, I guess since. Um, Oh, RoboForce was was my first, and and that was uh, oh. started in winter winter of 2014, um, and so I, I guess it's going on three years now. Uh, before then, I, I wrote novels, uh, short stories, you know, prose, and uh, I mean, I've been writing something pretty much my you know entire adult life. You know, it's the, the legacy of. of uh, being a literature major, I guess. Uh, so, when do you consider your adult life to mm. have begun? Then, <laughs> uh, roughly my first year of graduate school, I think. Yeah, the, the first go around. I, you know, I, I, I uh, have a long and winding path through uh, academia. Um, I actually started life as a as a physics major, and I had a sort of Saul on the road to Damascus moment in my second semester of quantum mechanics. And it's like, you know, I could do this, but I really don't want to. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Same thing I tell myself I, about physics all the time. Yeah. I could, but... <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I ended up in English literature and, um, you know, I've, uh, over the course of 15 years or so, I came perilously close to, to actually ending up as a as, uh, teaching it, but it Thankfully, was spared that um, that fate, and uh, I do try to find ways to to apply it, though. And you know, like eventually, I'd always dabbled in fiction writing, but I just I was too busy telling stories other ways, I guess. Uh, so, what was the really was, down. was there a specific motivating thing that got you from doing like novel type stuff to moving into screenwriting? Well, you know, there was, and it's. Uh, RoboForce is actually sort of at the center of that story, um, because you know in 2014, um, in the the summer of 2014, I, I took on, um, I volunteered for the position of of coaching my son's middle school uh, robotics team, um, Lego Lego Robotics, through the the first program, first Lego League, and. Um, at that point, I was chugging along with novels. I had a, an agent in New York who was uh, not getting a lot of traction with, with anything I'd written, but no, I, he, he was there, and I, I could call him if I wanted to. <laughs> um, so I started the, the, the coaching thing, and very soon thereafter, within a few weeks, I realized I, I couldn't write. I mean, my brain, the part of my brain I used for writing was busy. I mean, it, that very rarely has happened to me. The only other time within you know, the last you know 15 or so years that that's happened was when we were uh, selling one house and had bought another and were paying two mortgages and trying to move at the same time. And you know, that I understood the stress. Coaching the, <laughs> the Lego League team, um, I wasn't expecting that. But... Uh, Evidently, you know, I, I, I told people, you know, my head is full of Lego bricks right now. There's no <laughs> so we get through the we get through the season. It gets to be um, early December. You know, they 
the team actually, for a first-year team, did great. You know, they advanced uh, to the state championship where we uh, where we bowed out, and, and, and rightfully so. You know, we, we kind of had some luck getting there. Um, and then I'm, I'm thinking afterwards, you know, I've got, you know, these you know, three months of where I didn't write. That I, it's like I'd like to get something out of that time. Sure. You know, as, as a writer, that's sort of one thread that 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 gets woven into this story. The second um, has to do with my son, who was, was on the team. It's sort of the reason I coached. Uh, he, he, I've been writing, like I said, writing prose and short, you know, short stories and novels for a while, and he he pointed out more than once, uh, as he was in fifth grade then, I'd actually never written anything I'd let him read. <laughs> And, yeah. Okay. And, you know, it's like you know that that's fair. That's a, that's a fair observation, because um, the stuff I I've been writing was really for you know not like adult audiences, but you know for grown up audiences. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's not that he wouldn't have gotten it. I think he just wouldn't have been interested. Uh, I or you know don't think it would have warped him for life. But yeah. You know, Point point being, I, I hadn't written anything accessible for his age group, and it's like, well, you know, maybe I can do something about that. And the third, and I guess most sort of crucial thing that ties those together. So I just written, I just read a, a blog entry by a, an author and, and former TV writer named Chuck Wendig, um, writes science fiction. Uh, he said, you know, having done both. If you, if you want to outline a novel and you really don't like outlining, consider writing the novel as a screenplay and that letting that be your outline. Oh, okay. That's and, an uh, interesting you know, tactic. Yeah, it's sort of like the, you know you've got the bones and muscles of the story going in a screenplay, and and then you can flesh it out. And it sounds like a good theory. Um, and I had not written a screenplay at that point, but the writers group that I'm in. Um, writers under the art and here in St. Louis is a fairly eclectic group and we, we have novelists and short story writers and screenwriters and there's some overlap between them all and so I read and done readings of a bunch of screenplays at that point over the last you know previous five or six years and and so I, I kind of had some grasp of what they were supposed to look like and how they were supposed to work and so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll 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 try this. So, uh, you know, December I start writing. Um, I, I finish. I I finish the first draft in about, I guess, late February, early March. Um, but during that time, I'm bringing in chunks to the to the the writers group and reading the. And we're doing little readings of the scenes and. Um, a few more than once, a few times, various members of the group said something to the effect of, "So this is an outline for for a novel, right?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, for a you know, middle middle grade novel, and and that's all you're doing with it." Well, yeah, yeah, that was my plan. <laughs> oh, how plans it, change! Because it's pretty good as a screenplay, you know, just in and of itself. You might want to like do something with it. <laughs> And you know, after after hearing that for for a while from various numerous people in the group, I said, "All right, fine, I'll you know finish it up and put a little polish on it and send it you know to a couple of contests." And it won a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you know, we won the fam you know, won the, the the family category um, in in, uh, in a, uh, a few contests, and 
and then I so when it won the 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 first one I, I saw that there was something called like the contest of contest winners that um, uh, gentleman out in in uh, Arizona runs that you have to have won or placed in a contest to be eligible for. Oh, okay. So I said, yeah, what the heck? You know, I was <laughs> deadlines in two days, and I had just found out I won the you know the family ca- category of story prose, and I'll send it off and see what happens. Well, I won that contest. I won. Ooh, they, congratulations. I went, and I went out to the, the uh, in Huntington Beach for the Sunscreen West Film Festival, which was my introduction to that particular world. And uh, Howard from um, uh, the contest was very, very solicitous and helpful in sort of introducing me to people. And it's like, well, this is okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, I sort of got some momentum up and I've been doing it since. And it's not, at some point, you know, I, I mean, I actually did finish the novel. <laughs> I actually did write the, the novel oh, okay. from the outline. And uh, the kids liked it, but uh, my agent was sort of, well, you know, it's nice, but it's not what we're looking for right now. And it's like, they never actually told me what they were looking for. So I kind of used that as a jumping off point to go sort of move, move to in a different direction. Yeah. And it's been, it's been fun. I've been, I've been really enjoying it. It's, you know, well, screenplays are not, not easier, but they're much faster. <laughs> <laughs> Surely they are. And uh, for all of our listeners out there, there's a lot of really, really great things that, Jeff has been through in terms of teaching robotics that show up in this script. So we're going to just set the tone in the setting of the script and then get get into a little bit of a piece of it. So, um, Jeff, if you want to tell our listeners just where and when this is taking place and kind of what it feels like, maybe some of your inspirations briefly, we'll just jump into the script from there. Well, uh, the, the script is, the story is set in... Um what what I think of as, as the most generic suburb in the in the U.S., which is Schaumburg, Illinois, outside Chicago, uh, and, you know, it, it could be set in any number of similar places. It's uh, has that flexibility, uh, and it's it's you know current uh, current setting um, and uh, the 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 middle school, the the Grace Hopper Middle School, where most of the action takes place, uh, is. I wouldn't say it's loosely modeled on on any particular middle school with which I'm familiar, but it, uh, there are bits of it I'm sure will, it will look familiar to parents and, and students and teachers. Um, yeah. Everywhere. By the way, Grace Hopper Middle School is that was that Did you come up with that, or was that an actual place? I I came up with that. Yeah, because uh, I Grace looked. Hopper I had to look team. up who Grace Hopper was. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the inventor of of cobalt and you know one of the founding figures of information technology. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, and she Admiral absolutely Grace Hopper. Yeah, Admiral Hopper, and she absolutely deserves to have a school named after her. Oh, at least one, <laughs> preferably many. Um, so uh, you know the the main character is named Zoe uh, Zoe Miller, and she's uh, about to start eighth grade. Zoe is is smart. Just you know, really good with her hands, and not necessarily shy, but she doesn't have a ton of friends simply because she she doesn't have a niche. And you know, having having a a place that you click at that age is so important and and rare. I mean, yeah. you know, people, I you know, I remember my you know, then they called it junior high, but uh, I remember those grades and and just 
you never knew where you fit in. And even if you did, it changed, you know, the next year or the next month or the next day. And just very, lots of, of emotional turbulence. Yeah, um, junior high is a super weird time because you're not really a kid anymore, but you haven't hit that, like, full-blown high school teenage mode. I, ne- I was never a big fan of 7th and 8th grade when I was in junior high. Yeah, they're, they're rough. They're rough. And, and, you know, working with middle schoolers, especially on the robotics team, is this something that you saw still today? Uh, you know, actually, the, 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 the team did uh, three years. You know, it, it became increasingly obvious that the, the, their, their interests were fanning out in different directions. And so I actually disbanded it um, this year. Wow. That's too bad. Yeah, well, that, I, that's just how kids grow up. Yeah. You know, when you're young, it it's easy to get into something. And just as you continue to develop find new interests or just have interests that sort of you know mutate a little it's like my son you know the the father-son dynamic with it when when the son is is on a team you're coaching is weird anyway uh you know he so he was less happy this last year than than he might have been um in the the beginning (laughs) yeah of that separation process yeah but he uh you know, that didn't stop him from doing, you know, in summer camp, he did a week of underwater robotics at a local uh, science center. And, that's know, not that's a made-up thing. That's a real thing, right? <laughs> that's an absolutely real thing. That's incredible. He how to, how to do, he learned the basics of scuba diving, and he built a robot that was watertight, and he could... With and he could run remotely from the edge of the pool, and you know also worked in the pool assembling components for you know group projects. And it's like I made trivets. (laughs) 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 Just so the audience understands that these robot competitions are—it's a real thing amongst kids where they're they're building. Uh, this thing out of Legos, and then it, it what? It goes through like an obstacle course, right? It's an interactive obstacle course, though. I mean, the robot isn't just getting around stuff; it has to to physically engage in particular ways, um, using particular motions, um, pushing, pulling, rotating. So it's a really good intro- introduction to you know basic you know, applied mechanics yeah. of, of okay, how do you get the robot from point A to point B, and how do you get it to do what you want once it gets there? And it's not the sort of thing where it's like a radio-controlled car where they're doing it live. It's all computer like programming and coding it in and having to plan ahead, isn't yeah. it? Yes, it has. The robot is uh, totally autonomous at, at, at this grade level. They, the, the totally autonomous programming uh, with sensors that you know give it you know can measure the distance. You know, has ultrasonic sensors to measure distances and light sensors to see. What is on? You know, what color is on the the, the map that they they run the competition on? Um, servo motors to um, you know provide manipulation capacity as, as well as as movement. It's a little computer. I mean, it's a, it's a little yeah. computer. They're they're programming to run around and do stuff. In our script too, we have this band of misfits in this Grace Hopper Middle School who find themselves coming together to enter one of these competitions against a rival. Uh, group in the school. So the piece yeah. that we're going to read from the script uh, for our listeners is about the coach of the team, Dart, having a little heart-to-heart with Zoe, um, our protagonist in RoboForce. So we're going to have Jeff read our stage directions over the phone. Um, I, I, Allison West, will be playing the eighth grader Zoe. Mm. Uh, Jack will be playing Will in the script. And Frank, our producer Frank... 
<laughs> Frank will be playing Dart. Dart is um, older brother to Will and the coach of the new team, RoboForce. So, um, Jeff, we're going to begin top of 39. Whenever you're ready, you can just go ahead and read our uh, intro there. All right. Starting at the exterior of the Grace Hopper Middle School in the parking lot. It's at night. The rain has stopped. Zoe and Dart avoid puddles as they carry the totes. Sorry about Will. We're working on manners. A lot. It's okay. What were you like when you did Robot League? Dart chuckles without mirth. Uh, let, let's just say I had my own issues. Mm, I didn't mean to bring up bad memories. They stop at the only car in the lot, an old Volvo wagon. Bad memories are part of why I'm doing this. He opens the hatch. Zoe's tote pops open as she puts it in. A number of Brico's minifigs fall out. Uh, oh, no! Uh, I, I think they stayed all in the car. I should replace that dome light. Before he finishes, Zoe's phone is out in flashlight mode. Dart smiles. They gather the scattered figures. I kind of thought you were coaching to, you know, help Will be more... Dart finds a minifig in a lab coat. Normal? He adjusts the figure's pose. Will needs... guidance. Not the same as help. I need to be better coach than I was. Dart places the figure in the tote. Like Nisha, or Giles, or you. Thanks for talking me into this. You're welcome. You're really worried about him. Dart nods. I try to stay realistic. Interior of the classroom, inside the same time. Dave Brubecky Jazz plays through Will's earbuds. So, Kang likes playing games, huh? A splash graphic appears on his laptop. Will's Gossip Pal app. Administrator Access flashes. Exterior parking lot, continuous. Dart hoists the other tote into his car. Robot League isn't some magical spell that'll make Will's life easy. Interior, classroom, same time. Will smirks as he starts to work in earnest. I've got a game for her. Exterior parking lot, continuous. Dart starts to close the hatch and pauses, choosing words. And I'm an engineer, not a miracle worker. He looks up to you, though. Dart looks dubious. I know he gives you a hard time, but everyone can see it. Without other kids around... I guess I'm the only yardstick he's got. Interior classroom, same time. On Will's laptop, profile pictures of the members of Ton of Bricks, the rival team, surround one of their coach, Kang. All right, there's a little taste. Of the sinister goings-on of Will, who's a trickster playing tricks on his computer over there. I mean, Will's just very focused. He's a very focused young man. <laughs> well, he is indeed. And then it is a taste of RoboForce. There's so much there that really exemplifies the whole script. This warm, um, well, not entirely always warm interaction between adults and children, but the way that adults and children treat themselves throughout the script, as well as um, kind of a look into how much technology really is blended into the script in in just a little kind of hyper-futuristic way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hyper-futuristic in the, in the same way that, you know, our, our, our smartphones and messaging apps and social media are. I mean, it's all it's all there. It's, it's just I just put it together in a particular way. Yeah, and the way these it, just the some of the major beats of the script. So that was a taste that uh, the audience had just now. In general, you've got the this uh, teenage girl Zoe. She's got some parents with some money problems. A very sort of middle class type gal makes friends with uh, this uh, new girl at school, Nisha, who before she moved there. 
uh, was on her robot league team at her school, and she and Zoe start this team here. One of the sort of recurring questions that keeps getting asked over and over again is there's no rule against having two because this other team, like you mentioned, this ton of bricks team. Very exclusionary. And run by this Coach Kang who is... Uh, Evil. Not even borderline abusive. She's abusive to the kids. Powerful. A powerful grown-up taking advantage of it. Jeff, what do you think about this interaction between children and adults in your script? Well, I modeled it in part on the interactions I had with, with, with my team. And, you know, if there's one thing that I lifted wholesale from my experience, that would be it. I mean, the, the, the kids on the team are not my kids. I mean, they're, they really don't align with, with my, uh, any of the, the kids I've coached. But the, the interactions, you know, I, I always tried to be, you know, when I was coaching, I tried to be honest while I was being supportive. Which and is a very fine line. Oh, it, it's, a, it's a dance. Uh, and uh, uh, sometimes, you know, that being honest about, you know, things that weren't necessarily technical. I mean, if, 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 uh, if I know one of the kids is having trouble making the meetings because they're overscheduled, you know, I, I, and the other kids are kind of complaining about it, I say, hey, you know, you guys have, have stuff going on too, and, and you know, getting a, the time to, to, for everybody to meet is, is pretty difficult. And, you know, we, we, try, we have to make allowances for that because that's just how it is. Um, you know, I think they get it. I think they get it. I, I think that it's, it's better to let them know, because, you know, these are all smart, smart kids, but they're also, you know, they're 12, you know, so their empathy engine is sputtering at that point. <laughs> yeah. it's, still tuned, it's still getting tuned up. It's still, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process that goes on for, well, you know, a lifetime. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're just really kind of getting to the point where they do have to depend on other, you know, depending on other kids, you know, in a such in a situation that doesn't involve you know kicking a ball around of some sort is new. I mean, it's kind of new for most of them. Even you know, they, even if they've worked in class projects, and this is one of the great things about about the the, the program, about the first uh, program, they learn how to work and adjust and and shore up and support each other. Uh, yeah, as a group, but they <laughs> it doesn't mean there aren't bumps along the way, and you know that <laughs> some of the bumps are are what uh, happen in an extremely exaggerated fashion. Right. Well, the children are really starting to learn adult themes, which in your script we have two main grown ups, Dart, who is one coach, and Coach Kang, the other, who lead by example for better or for worse. Yeah. One of them being mm. a bit sinister and one of them being very optimistic and hopeful. And the children themselves, they then uh, they get to make choices about how they're going to deal with each other, whether it's um, RoboForce eventually lending a helping hand to Ton of Bricks in the end or Ton of Bricks kind of launching some little schemes to get the inside scoop on RoboForce's competition. Is competition... What is the competition like in these robotics competitions in real life? It, uh, the ones I've been to here in the in Missouri usually take place in a uh, there's a particular um, private uh, prep school gym that we we often use that's very well appointed. Uh, let's 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 say, mm-hmm. but it's also very loud and echoey, and they do play loud music, uh, loud sort of you know techno. 
music. And uh, the teams often have uh, either, you know, matching T-shirts or, uh, or other sort of, uh, you know, team spirit building accoutrements, <laughs> uh, props and signs and uh, cheers. And, you know, there it, it's a... It's a very festive uh, atmosphere, but it's also very, very focused because, you know, anyone who, who's worked with, with uh, engineering projects or computer projects you know, knows that doing something live in real time is not the same as doing it in practice. So things go wrong and you have to figure out how you're going to fix them or if you can fix them. And there's triage. It's like, okay, we're not going to get this to work. Um, so let's do some surgery on the code and we're just going to skip that bit and, uh, get to the stuff later that, that we can do. It's a culmination of months of work and the runs themselves are like 90 seconds long. Yeah. Wow. And in, in the mean, finale of the show, I mean, that's, that plays a big part with the kids. It's, it's the big final competition. All the emotions are amped up. It's the big final moment. And they're having to make these little last second tweaks just to try to outdo, outdo the other guys. It's, it's a very emotionally charged uh, finale for these kids. High stakes for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, it's one of those things where talking about stakes in particular, stakes are weird with this age group. Because, of course, they have no sense of perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's I mean, funny it's to all think about. about mm-hmm. Two weeks from now might as well be the 28th century. It, it's, and yet they were asking them, this is the age where we really kind of started asking them to plan and to, to basically develop project plans on how they're going to do things. And this is that's something this does, does definitely require, you know, the, the, putting together you know, putting together the robots because each robot is, you know, custom made out of Lego bricks with, you know, with all the various uh, mechanical parts and then, you know, and programming it and testing it. There's, and there's actually other stuff in the, in the real program I don't even touch on because there's no way of doing it justice. I mean, there's like presentations involved and such like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I just focused on the, the, the most visually competitive aspect uh which is the the runs. Now, I took a little. I took a few liberties. Uh, you know, they don't generally do tiebreaker rounds, but hey, you know, it's, it's basically structurally a sports underdog story. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, what, yeah. yeah, this is a sports story. <laughs> Let me ask you this: about uh, in terms of the characters, this is an incredibly diverse cast. Uh, it feels like just about every character that has a speaking role in this script gets a good amount of character time. Some get a little more than others, but nobody feels particularly underdeveloped or left in the shallow end of the pool. How important was that to you, having been a coach and knowing these kids with personalities and stuff? How important was it that all these kids get sort of a well-rounded story to them? Uh, I, I wanted it to reflect the way it was. And the way it was was that each kid brought something different to the table, I mean, literally to the table, where they were doing the, the, the runs. Yeah. Um, you know, some kids are, are better programmers than others, and some kids are more mechanically inclined than others, and some kids are more patient than others. And we'll do, you know, test after test after test without, without well, too much complaint. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we, all that is necessary. And, you know, getting, it, getting them to, to sort of fuse that together and acknowledge that, you know, because, you know, the kids, the kids are, I think, inherently honest about the, those things. It's like, yes, yeah, so-and-so is a better programmer than I am. So, you know, he or she should be doing this 
this part while I'm doing that part because I'm better at that. You know, they, they sort each other out if you give them half a chance. It's refreshing oh, yeah, for the, yeah. the children to really acknowledge each other that way. Yeah, and, and, and doing so in a way that, that doesn't denigrate other people's contributions. Um, you know, that's, that's, again, that's something that occasionally they need a little nudge on, just to, you know, wording choices. <laughs> you know, uh, when you're talking about what some, someone else is doing and your, the perceived quality thereof. But, uh, Which sort of figures into Will's character quite a bit, because even though he's a brilliant you know, programmer, he also isn't so developed socially, is maybe a little more judgmental, is a little more rude, is the one on the, the hero team that gets into some questionable uh, antics with the other team just to try to com- compete back yeah, and forth. Just as a, a fill-in for our listeners, Will, as a young person, develops an app that's made him bucos of bucks. He eventually uses this app in the Lyser agreement to sponsor on Coach Kang, which is so funny and ironic yeah. um, because she's also trying to undermine the team in some very shady ways. So by using his user agreement, he can... Uh, review all of her work that she's been sending through the app and get some insider information as well, which is what Jack was doing in the script here. Yeah, that little devious stuff that Will was saying in our little segment was uh, Will tapping into other people's emails and texts. But it comes back to these children having very specific personalities and still finding their place in the team. Yeah, yeah, and and you know one thing I, I did want to emphasize in that, and, and this is something that I, I went around and around with with some of the people that did, uh, did notes for me. The, the 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 bad guy team, you know, the bad guy team. They're not bad kids. You know, they're good kids generally with a bad coach. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> my experience, and this is not just in robotics. This is in, in you know any sort of competitive activity at this age bracket. The, the attitude of the of the adults is going to shape the attitude of the kids, for better or worse. And, uh, you know, I think two very extreme examples with, with uh, Coach Kang and Coach Dart, they are, they may be polar opposites, and they, they, they may be, yeah, Kang may be a, a slight exaggeration in terms of coaches out there, but, you know, I've seen some really serious coaches on the sidelines of various games my, my son has been involved in, you know, Really, in 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 robotics, that personality is much more rare. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly that that sort of win at all cost alpha mentality, as opposed to like a like a little league sort of situation. Yeah, where there, you know there it's like the stereotype that has truth at its at its core. Um, one of the cool things about the real robotics program I described, the first program, is that generally they they weed that out and the Everybody is really cooperative. I mean, there's been insane stories at the, the upper levels, the, the senior high school levels of teams basically putting themselves at a disadvantage to keep another team in the running. Wow. Which, of course, which of course um, you know, sort of filters into the, the end of the story here. And that, that's just because of a, a real love of the competition, right? Just sort of a purity of, yeah, bring your best. I'm going to bring my best, and we're going to see how it works out. That's very much it, yeah. And two, within that context, one of the things that's really lovely in the script is that it really breaks down gender roles between the children, where um, this story has some very, well, they're not totally subtle. We have a a female protagonist, and Mm -hmm. then her best friend are the ones that get the show going, um, where we have these empowered characters that really it's about their science and their ability to 
to um, contribute to the team that makes the difference. It, it's not really based down in how gender goes. Yeah. And I wondered if, if, if there's a train of thought you had in purposefully putting in female characters as the protagonist in this story. I think that's an important choice for anyone who's doing this sort of thing for kids. At this age, the, the social structures that deflect young girls from, from going into technical activities are not yet really hardened and, you know, in place. And so the kids have not picked up on the on the notion, you know, the misguided notion that there are there's girl things and boy things, and that robotics is is not supposed to be a girl thing. You start the program in kindergarten. And, wow. Well, although the programming doesn't start until I think fourth grade, uh, but but you know, still, it's 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 designed to be really not just inclusive, but it's it's it, it, it just absolutely is built to make it. Yeah, in, in, impossible to, to to do that. And some of the best teams, you know, some of the best teams out there that, that I, you know, the ones that end up at the the state and national level on a consistent basis, and this are the, the real the real high performers. Probably the best group overall are teams associated with Girl Scout troops. That's awesome. Oh, nice. Go, ladies, go. They really know how to to, and and those teams they have like constant, you know, it's like the. The, the kids cycle through the program. It's not just like a bunch of friends, like you know what I had working with, you know, with my son and his friends. They they bring on younger girls and 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 train them. And so by the time they're senior, they're helping to train like the the new younger Girl Scouts. It, it's elegant. It's lovely. Yeah. It's uh, it's necessary. Um, interesting tidbit here. I was actually on a robotics team. I no think it, I was terrible. I was so bad at it. So <laughs> I'm slipping it in it because it was embarrassing because I was so non-interested in robotics and mostly interested in flirting with everybody else that was on the team. I can't believe you haven't told me this. No, this is no, such new information. I have, man, I'm, oh, I have a whole science. <laughs> I have a whole record of excellence in science That's and chemistry awesome, in high school. Thank you. That's I'm, really cool. Okay, okay. But these girls in the script, <laughs> they are totally awesome. And it's wonderful to hear that there is continued to be developing opportunities for girls in science and mathematics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, uh, Jeff. Uh, Will's character specifically is listening to a lot of jazz, which I feel like is a very specific uh, character choice. W- w- was there a spe- uh, was there a motivation behind that? Why, why jazz? Well, you know, Will is as as, no- as, as you noted before, a, a, a little emotionally aloof. Mm-hmm. You know, people have asked me if if he's supposed to be somewhere on the on the spectrum, and I say, you know, I don't want to. I don't feel like I want to make that call. Sure. Because I, I sort of like, I wrote the character that doesn't, you know, I don't want to, I'm not one of those people who thinks I have to know everything about the character. He doesn't get along with, with kids his own age that much. Right. And I tried to think of what's the least likely music for a, a 13 year old boy to listen to. And I thought, cool jazz. It's, it's, you know, it's all, but it's also, for Will, it's also a good match because it's so about structure and and flow. And it's like you know, if 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 music were a programming language, you know, cool jazz would be would be you know the one everybody wanted to to work with. Um, it's hugely and, and insightful so, to his character. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I think it's and you know I actually spent time sort of you know listening to various pieces and 
mentally sort of timing them out for the action going on with them. Uh, you know, and then, you know, I don't expect that, you know, necessarily they would actually end up using those in any production. But um, I do think that it's important, you know, if you're going to name a piece of music or, or, or a performer or a genre, it had better be for a good reason. And right. I thought there was this time. So let me ask you this, too. The, the the script itself tells a very complete story about these kids coming together, competing in robotics and uh, winning at the end. But this is also, it feels like, also set up. There's a lot that could come out of this. It clearly is left somewhat open-ended that there's going to be a future with these kids. Was that on purpose? Uh, do you have other ideas about where this story goes from here? Well, you know, I, I think just the nature of any story about kids these age, this age is, you know, it has to be open ended because their life is just starting. You know? yeah. Yeah. The alternative is that they, they peak in middle school, and that's really sad. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I did not necessarily write this with with you know my eyes on on writing a a, a sequel or continuation. Uh, but when the I do think it would be interesting to explore. Um, a sort of you know next year kind of story. In, in my mind, you know, in, in, you know, RoboForce goes, you know, wins the local tournament, goes to the national tournament, and gets blown away. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, they and and they have to because one of the things that kids this age need to process, learn how to process is failure, especially mm. especially smart kids. Yeah, you said they don't uh, normally so, run into it too much. Yeah, yeah, they, they, you know, it, 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 a lot of stuff comes easy, and then all of a sudden they get this at some age, you know, usually college, and all of a sudden it's not easy anymore, and they're not prepared for it. And you know, this is there's a little experience you're talking here. Um, if, if you don't, if you don't haven't built up the not just the the, the, the habits, but the emotional sort of fortitude to, to say, oh well, I lost. This didn't work. I, you know, I tried this and it failed. What do I do now? Because you can't. You know, it's it's when things come, normal things come easy. That's a rude awakening. Well, and the I idea want, of making a mistake and learning from that mistake, which also is, is gets into the core of what the robotics competition is. You plan for it, you put it yeah. together, and if it doesn't work, you got to make changes. Yes, and and yeah, so it, it is sort of baked into the concept. Is is you know the little failures that you fix, uh, you know, uh, set you up so that you're more able to deal with, you know, than, uh, eventually a, um, a big failure, you know, or, or just someone or just someone who's a, a little luckier than you or a little smarter than right. you. Right. Know, That's just the way life shakes out. They... Um, Jeff, what are you working on currently? Do you have any other projects that you've been writing with? You know, right now... Um, I am working on expanding a short that I, I wrote named uh, Medicine Show Blues to, to feature length um, because it would <laughs> one of the great conundrums. It can be easier to, 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 to make a, a feature than a short because it's, um, it's really hard to talk people out of money <laughs> to make a 15 or 20-minute <laughs> piece. Well, there's a little bit more profit when you have something longer featured. Okay. Yeah commercial way yeah, that makes of distributing sense. story. A little more than any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Uh, I'm also working on um, developing a, a, uh, a TV pilot um, from a, a novel uh, that I wrote that's a, an alternate history um, 
but a slightly different tone than the usual ones. I wanted to write about a world where things actually turned out a little better than they oh, did. Oh, thank ours. goodness. Yes, please. Please write I'm that. So tired. I'm so tired of the stories that basically amount to, see how much worse things could be? Now shut up and be happy. Right. So that's the subtext. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, see, Nazis could run the world. Shut up. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Please, let's focus on something. Yeah, please, work on that. I, I, would, I would love to read that and watch that. Yeah. It, it, it starts off, you know, the historical point of, of parting is actually is, – um, Basically, what would have happened if Benjamin Franklin decided to play Dr. Frankenstein, um, <laughs> specifically specifically with Thomas Jefferson's dead wife? Ooh, I do. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. I just love all the stuff that comes out of our writers' heads. It's freaking me out, and I love it. Well, I'm dying to know how that somehow leads to a slightly better world. That's a, that's a great. All right, cool. Yeah, go with that. Uh, <laughs> it takes a while. Yeah, cool. Sure. So, Jeff, if somebody was interested in getting in touch with you to talk about your work or talk about working with you, what's the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? Um, you know, generally, I would steer people towards emailing me, mercilessidioms, all one word, mm. at gmail.com. I'm also out on Facebook. Um, I've got an author page and pages for my various screenplay projects where I chronicle their triumphant march through the, the world of festivals and contests. Woohoo! Festivals! Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I don't mention the ones I don't win. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Sometimes it's funny to get rejections from people because they're mean. <laughs> it's just funny. It's just art, people. You don't have to be mean about it. Right. Um, okay, yeah. so people can get in touch with you, Facebook, online, um, Gmail, mercilessidioms at gmail.com. Um, also on Twitter with that. Yeah. So, Jeff, it has been so awesome talking to you about this work. I love what you bring to the table with this, with your personal experience with science and raising a child. It's really special to see that bleed through your work. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This has been a, it's been a fun conversation. Yeah, we really appreciate it, Jeff. This was a very fun script. I really, really enjoyed reading it. It was exciting and fun, and I, I truly, it, that was fun. Thank you for coming on. You're very welcome. So, again, though, we love, love, love reading your scripts. Send them to us at scriptshopthepodcast at gmail.com. And we uh, have plenty of ways for you to connect with us if you don't have a script that you want to submit. Uh, those things include the aforementioned Twitter along with Facebook, Instagram. Uh, check us all out. Please like us, subscribe to us, find us. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, leave us a message, leave us a review, leave us a comment. Please, anything, uh, anything that you think, we would love to see it. And until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.